Welcome to this week's episode of Everyday Thin Places. I'm Rachel Gallagher, and I'm an interfaith hospice chaplain. And I'm Elizabeth Ferrasso, and I'm a birth doula. And in each episode of Everyday Thin Places, we draw from our experiences supporting birthing people and dying people to explore with honesty, authenticity, and humor how we can all become more truly living people. All right, well, today is an episode I think long in coming, one that we've hinted at. And I think I was thinking about why we haven't gotten around to it yet. And in part, it was because we were trying to chase down some guests that we wanted to be the ones to talk about this topic about. One of those was Richard Rohr. We did reach out to his people. They are very kind and protective of him. He is not highly available. So, but if we know someone listening who has a Richard Rohr connection, or if Richard wants, Rohr himself is listening, if Richard Rohr is listening, um, we would love to come. We would love to have him come and talk to us about pets. We're going to talk about pets today as a thin place. Another, I realize another person that we were trying to chase down who maybe will be convinced after listening to this is a friend of mine who is so private that she has never used her real name on Facebook. Um, She is the biggest cheerleader of telling me to unfriend people because she's like, you just, you don't need more than like 50 Facebook friends. She's very (laughs) private, but she has at least considered coming on and talking about the very special relationship that she had with a a dog that she had all through her young adulthood. Um, But we're going to take a stab at it. Is just a conversation between you and I, Rachel. And part of that is because the date invited us to do so. As we looked at the calendar, we try to do some things that align with the seasons or with um, remarkable days on the calendar. And we have a remarkable day on the calendar. Is it our release date? Is it actually on the day, Monday? It is. Yeah. So today, if you're listening to this episode on the day that it was released, today, October 4th, is the Feast of St. Francis. And, um, you know, not everyone is going to be familiar with St. Francis, but you may be familiar. Um, St. Francis is like the patron saint of animals and pets and ecology. So a lot of nature. Um, but the, yeah, this episode pets has been on our list from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And the reason that I was even aware, like, oh, October 4th is a great date for us to talk about pets is because in my new role as spiritual life director in a continuing care retirement community, on October 4th, I get to do one of the coolest things. Just, I mean, in and of itself, it's super cool, but like I also get paid for it because it's part of my job, but I get to celebrate the Feast of St. Francis by doing a public blessing of the pets in our dog Mm -hmm. park here. (laughs) And I just can't imagine, like, who gets to do this? I, you know, yeah. I got to go to the Dollar Tree and buy a bunch of dog toys because it's the Feast of St. Francis. And I just think it is the perfect time for us to talk about animals and pets specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, how St. Francis became this patron saint so I'm going to read a little bit from Wikipedia. Don't get mad at me. Mm-hmm. I just feel like uh, it's it's an easy it's an easy way for me to explain this. So many of the stories that surround the life of Francis say that he had a great love for animals and the environment. The Fioretti, 
which means little flowers, is a collection of legends and folklore that sprang up after his death. One account describes how one day, while Francis was traveling with some companions, they happened upon a place in the road where birds filled the trees on either side. Francis told his companions to, quote, wait for me while I go to preach to my sisters the birds, end quote. The birds surrounded him, intrigued by the power of his voice, and not one of them flew away. He is often portrayed with a bird, typically in his hand. So I just thought that was a really sweet story. When I hear that story, I actually think of Snow White. Mm, of course <laughs> <Yeah>. you do. <laughs> um, just this vision of someone who has a deeper connection with nature and specifically with animals and can communicate mm-hmm. with them. Um, and so, yeah, it's a beautiful day to release this episode. And we certainly have things to say about pets yeah. and the roles that they've played in our lives. Yeah. And as we've been talking and preparing for this episode, we, um, we've also definitely realized that pets have so much to teach us about birth about death Mm -hmm. and about truly Mm -hmm. living. Mm -hmm. So absolutely. Yeah. But I know Elizabeth, when, when we first started talking about this, there was a particular um, idea and thought that came to your mind right away. And um, I would love for you to share. I know that you had a, a beloved pet when you were young. Yeah. I mean, I think, I guess between, if you count the fact that my parents still had a dog that, was mine. Um, <laughs> even when I lived out of their home, I've had a pet my whole life, mm. pretty much. You know, there were a couple of breaks between a dog dying before we were ready to get another one growing up. I grew up with dogs and I had, there was one dog in particular. And I said, before we started recording, I'm not going to say her name because that is a security question. So I'll tell you my dog's name when I tell you my mom's maiden name and my <laughs> last four of my social security. But this <laughs> beloved dog that I grew up with, Um, who died, I think, when I was in fourth grade. And I grew up in a, you know, in a religious household and grew up going to church where they taught us. But it was not like a, I didn't grow up in a fire and brimstone preaching, like you need to believe these things so you don't burn for eternity. But there was this presentation of heaven and heaven with streets of gold and heaven with all these beautiful, amazing things. But I remember after my dog died, I remember thinking, my only interest in there being a heaven and getting to go there was believing and hoping that my dog was there mm-hmm. too. Because they are, especially as a child, they're just, they are these close companions. They are affectionate and present and compassionate sometimes when maybe adults are doing their adult thing mm-hmm. and a child needs that care. Mm-hmm. Um other a different dog that we had i people say dogs don't know they can't tell time but i'm telling you when i came home from college and i had been gone for weeks or months the excitement level that she had to see me after i was gone for that long nobody was as excited as she was um and so i think there's just something so special about the connection that we have and i and i think that the companions that they are and the teachers that they are are just so unique. And they teach us through death because although I did not grow up to be a death professional, (laughs) 
my first lesson about death was the death of that dog when I was in fourth grade, when I was probably about like, you know, what, nine, 10 years old, however old you are in, in fourth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought about that, you know, that's true for most of us that a lot of people have a pet who dies long before they have a significant member of their family die. I, that, I didn't even had a grandparent die when that pet died. And so they teach us about loss. They teach us about just the depth of that pain and even the way that you move forward. I, I, I did go on to, um, although my beliefs have shifted about the afterlife in many ways, I'm not still holding, holding on to the hope of heaven just for that particular dog. Other things came in my light. Um, but I think it was healthy and good for me to work through that loss. And, and we said they do, they not only teach us about death, but they do teach us about birth as well. Mm-hmm. If we have that unique and beautiful opportunity, I never have had a pet who was pregnant. But that is one of the questions that I ask almost all of my birth classes as we start to talk about birth and treating birth like a normal life event. I'll say, did anybody ever here have a cat who had kittens or a dog who had a litter of puppies and what was it like? And, and they'll tell me things like they just sort of crept away. Like we didn't actually know we had a pregnant cat and then we opened (laughs) the closet and there was a kitten. Oh my goodness. There's a, we should post this week. uh, I read a like Twitter thread this week that was like this guy who found a cat and her kittens, a litter of kittens under his bed. He didn't own a cat. What? And like, I'm not joking that as you read this thread, it changed his life. So we're going to, we will link that as well. But there's something about birth that we learn, even just that they don't, animals seem to know when birth is going to happen. And so they go and they get in their private place. Mm-hmm. And I think it's also true that animals know when death is coming, but they don't seem consumed. They're not consumed with fear in either of those circumstances. And um we get that a little bit, you and I, mm-hmm. and we're trying to pull people along to like, hey, birth and death are really beautiful um, and they shouldn't be primarily feared. Mm-hmm. But animals get that and they, you know, they just go find a private place to be, to let their body do its work mm-hmm. and to welcome, welcome their new little offspring. Um, so as a child and continuing on as adult, I just, um, I want to. We're going to, I'm going to, I want to hear some more about your experiences as a child and young adult. So we'll, we can come back to my lessons from my present pets now, but, um, life is so much richer Yeah, with pets. Absolutely. Truly living. Yeah. Truly living comes out of relationships with pets. So, yeah, but tell me you have, we, and we've talked about this before. I can't remember which episode you've shared. You shared about a bird. There was a bird oh, yeah. in your life. I forgot I shared about my bird. I guess that was in our bird episode. Yeah. Um, but the bird is the bird is not the big deal. No, I forget the, about that bird. Right. <laughs> but you have talked about the very special dog yeah. that was in your life. Yeah. So I didn't grow up with dogs. I never had well, I can't say I never had a childhood dog. I grew up with bunny rabbits. Those were my pets of choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was about 12, I think I got a cat and I swore up and down to my mother that I will take the cat to college with me. Don't worry, mommy. I will. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be responsible for this kitten that we're about to get. I will take it to college with me. Well, my college did not allow 
18-year-old freshmen to bring cats. Actually, now they do, (laughs) which is interesting. They have a whole pet dorm, but that did not exist in 1999. Um, So I left the cat behind with my mom. Uh, And I did have a childhood dog. I can't say I didn't grow up with a childhood dog, but we literally had this dog for six weeks. My mom's <laughs> my mom's boss was getting rid of a cocker spaniel, which if you are familiar with cocker spaniels, they're not known for being super bright. They are they kind of have a reputation for being kind of dumb and mm-hmm. naughty and a little mean. Are they a little mean? Maybe. Uh, I feel like I've heard that. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it's it's not the dog; it's really the owners that are responsible, mm-hmm. but. These might be harder to train than other breeds, is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so my mom's boss was getting rid of this Cocker Spaniel. Why? Probably because he could not train it. And he gave it to our family right when my mom was about to give birth to my brother. That's a terrible time to get a dog. Agreed. And uh, when my brother came, it just became too much. Like, this dog would bark at the laundry. I mean, he really... He fit the stereotype of Cocker Spaniels not being very bright. So back he went. Six weeks later, he went back to my mom's boss. Anyhow, so I did have a childhood dog for six weeks. <laughs> but it was, you know, it came into my life and left just as quickly as it came. But I have mentioned, and I will say his name, um, I have mentioned Alfie a couple times here and there in our episodes. And I've shared that I think a lot of people in my life, when they think of me, they think of Alfie. Like we were just a dynamic duo. Um, I had cancer when I was 24 years old and my whole life came to a screeching halt. I had to stop everything. And my entire focus was just on getting better, getting the treatment that I needed. And It was the perfect time for me to get the chihuahua I had always wanted. So I got Alfie at that time, and he was just a tiny little baby. He was, I don't remember if it's like eight weeks or 10 weeks when you can get a puppy, but he was that age. And I just remember that time, those weeks and those months when I first got Alfie, really feeling like a thin place. Um, it's, it was something more than just the excitement of getting a new puppy. You know, um, I felt like he really added something to my soul. Like we were, I felt like in some ways we were like that idea of soulmates. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I felt like something of the divine when I got to take care of him. It gave me a purpose in a time in my life when I didn't feel much of a purpose. Like I had finished graduate school. I could not work. I felt like I couldn't really contribute to the world during this time. Like I said, all I was doing was really going to doctor's appointments and getting treatments and then resting my body. And so I didn't feel much of a purpose. Until I got Alfie and until I realized, like, he depends on me for everything. And the way that he even just looked at me, like, I could just tell that I was his mom. (laughs) 
-hmm. And he adored me and I gave him all of the things that he needed to be healthy and to grow. And it just really made me feel a sense of purpose. And I know that it's it's a common mistake that people make, like comparing being a pet owner to being a parent. Like it's not the same. Having a pet is not the same as having a child. But I think well, first of all, it's the closest I've ever been to having a human mm-hmm. child. And, and there is something that taps into that same, like, visceral need to care for something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some, someone that depended on me for everything. And yeah, it just like really made me feel alive in a time when there wasn't much making me feel alive. I felt very sick. So, yeah, I mean, when I think of pets, I've had quite a few, but Alfie, man, he was something mm-hmm. special. And you were already a hospice chaplain when Alfie died. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It hit me really hard when he died and it's still, you know, I can, I feel myself getting emotional right now mm-hmm. um, because he meant, he, and he means so much to me. Yeah. But also his death was so beautiful. Like I want a death like Alfie had. Yeah. He just went to bed at night in his little heated bed that plugged into the wall because he was a prince and he should be treated as a prince. Um, and so I know he was comfortable. He was in his little warm bed with his blanket. And he went to sleep and he didn't wake up. Yeah. And I think he knew. Like, he was tired and he was showing us that it was time. And we picked up on those cues. You know, we didn't necessarily know for sure that that was going to be the night. But when I look back, I remember that I got down on the floor and I kissed him and I said goodnight in a way that I never did. Like, I kind of knew this might be the last night. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, thank goodness I was already a hospice chaplain because I felt like I was able to give him a little bit of hospice in those last few days, you know. Um, As much as I wanted to, I tried not to force him to eat. I tried Mm -hmm. not to force him to do anything that wasn't natural at the end of life. And I could tell that his body was breaking down and didn't need all of the things that it used to need. So, um, yeah, animals know these things. I've heard, especially with cats, that um, they will go off and be alone when they know it's time. Like they really like privacy at the end of life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can relate to that. Like it's about preserving your dignity. Mm-hmm. It's about feeling safe. Mm-hmm. It's about being tired. Um, so yeah, we can learn, we can learn a lot about birth, about death and about all of the ways to be truly living in the in-between from pets and from animals. Yeah. I kind of think that something that pets have going for them, it's weird because they seem, we've talked so many times about being in the present, whether it's like letting your breath guide you because your breath can only be in the present. 
um, animals are so in the present <laughs> with what's going on and they don't seem to be distracted by regrets about the past or fears about the future like we are as humans. Mm. And so on one hand, you can be like, you know, life is like and life as a pet, especially if someone's meeting your needs, like what better life is there? But then we also can sort of treat animals like, well, they're, they're dumb. They're not as smart as we are. Mm. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of think of it as they're so much more brilliant, brilliant than we are mm-hmm. to be present in the moment. And part of my conviction is in that is looking at these abilities that they have that are beyond what humans have. So their sense of smell just their sense of smell. I'm sure we could talk about other things as well, but for dogs in particular, um, their sense of smell is being used to, we know they sniff out bombs because they hang out at the airport for things like that. And it's so hard not to go up to them and pet them and tell them they're a good boy. (laughs) You're not allowed to. They're working dogs. Yeah. Um, But they use dogs to sniff out um, cancer. Yeah. They were teaching dogs to sniff out COVID. There are dogs that I don't know what senses they're using, but there's dogs that are companions and assist people who have epilepsy and can anticipate when they're going to have a seizure before they have a seizure. So there is something really brilliant happening within the bodies of animals that are beyond what we have as humans for our sense of smell our sense of whatever else it is they're using. I hope science uncovers more and more about this because it's so fascinating. And I sort of wonder if, um, you know, that's how they connect us to thin places because they have this presence Mm. and they have these tuned up senses. And what else more is there to experiencing this sort of sense of transcendence than I'm going to be right here where I am now. I'm going to pay as close of attention as I can. And, um, and they allow, I think they allow us to do that. Um, so we have, we have cats now. Mm -hmm. I did not, I said, I grew up as a dog person. My mom, I remember this phrase. This is kind of unforgettable. I think we wanted a cat. We, we cared for some like stray cats in our backyard when we were growing up, but those cats were never coming into our house. Um, and my mom said, you can have a cat when I'm dead. Whoa. <laughs> She's like, you can have a cat when I'm gone. Ooh. And I was like, and it was a little bit jokey. And I was like, okay, well, that's where we're stopping on the way home from the funerals to get a cat. <laughs> so it wasn't said in like this mean way, but we joked like, well, we can't have a cat. So there were not cats in our, our family growing up. And I maybe, I don't know, I might be equally a dog and cat person these days because we do have cats now. Mm-hmm. Um, any of our city folk listeners know that a essential <laughs> essential role that cats play in city life is keeping mice away. Yeah. Not just not just killing them, but let me tell you, these cats that we have, um, we have two cats that we rescued that I found in our pediatrician's parking lot. Mm. And <laughs> Um, they were actually a litter of four that we ended up taking two of because we weren't going to take all four. So we have a brother and sister cat. Their names are Buster and Lucille. And if you get that, if you get what that's about without me telling you, then we're, we are soulmates. Um, but <laughs> we have cats and the day we brought them home, we used to every morning have to wipe mouse poop off our kitchen counter. 
every morning. Uh, we did all life. the things. We plugged all the holes. We had all the traps. Mm-hmm. The morning that we went to go pick up our cats from getting fixed and getting chipped um, was the last morning that we ever wiped up mouse poop. They came to wow. live in our house and the mice went away. So they fill a very important role in our house. But I joke, I call, I call Lucy or Lou, I call her our therapy cat because if I or any one of my children, my husband doesn't tend to be an audible crier. All the rest of us take our turns being audible criers for one reason or another. If anyone is ever audibly, audibly crying in our house, she comes to us immediately. She just wants to be present and hold space. And make it better. And I don't think it's because she's trying to fix me. I mean, maybe a little bit. Maybe she doesn't like me crying. And she's <laughs> maybe she's the boss of the house and she would like this behavior to stop. <laughs> Some cats can be like that. But um, I love this ability to be present that animals have. And so she she audibly hears and just, I think, has this, has this sense that she has something to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think some of that is... I don't know if we said this already, and I know we're going to come back around to it, but this non-judgmentalism. Humans, we're always judging. I try not to be a judging person. I'm really judgy some days, and I'm pretty unhappy on those days. Mm. Um, I don't get the sense that animals even know how to judge. Definitely not on any of the on any of the items that we're struggling to judge people on. Um, so I love that, that, and that, and from that comes compassion and we need that. We need non-judgmentalism. We need compassion. We need presence. It's such a gift. I think that's part of what made Alfie, like, that's what was so special about him was, you know, as I was going through treatments and dealing with all that comes with cancer, there were days when I did not want to see another person. Mm-hmm. Whether it was because I was depressed or because I felt hideous. I mean, maybe at some point we'll get into all of the things that chemo does to your body. It does some wonderful things, but it also does some really terrible things and some embarrassing mm-hmm. things. And there were days that I just didn't want, I didn't even want to look in the mirror at myself, let alone be around another person. But Alfie was right there with me through it all, not judging any of my bodily functions that I couldn't control or my bald head and my acne laced face. Like he didn't care. I was the same person then as I was any day. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to be more like a a pet. (laughs) Yeah. Pet who doesn't judge and who can just be present and, and loving and, and give us what we need. I would be remiss if I went through this whole episode and didn't mention my current, pets (laughs) they would find out they're gonna know (laughs) so um much like you i have two pets now and they have names that go together so i have gatsby and i have daisy and daisy this is fun because they're rescue dogs alfie was he came from a breeder um it was just the easiest way to do things at that time but um after he died it was a about a month later, uh, I think it was less than a month later that we got Daisy. <laughs> we didn't think we were going to do that so soon, but I started looking at the rescue websites and this little girl needed a home and she 
I should maybe we'll post this on our social media too because I still have screenshots of the conversations with Paul when I sent him the link of her and I did not expect this but after seeing her pictures and reading about her he immediately said she's the one mm-hmm. he knew and she is the one she's not Alfie she is way different from Alfie but she's exactly what we needed I didn't mm-hmm. there was never going to be another Alfie so let's get Daisy yeah. Um, and she is a princess and um, she's a snuggle bug. And nobody knows that as much as you do, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm sure I'm the top of her list of who you she are. since she moved to paradise. In the few times that we have gotten to record this podcast together live and in person, The minute you walk in the door, Daisy claims you and crawls Mm -hmm. right into your lap and doesn't want to leave your side. It's really, truly Mm -hmm. amazing. And then there's Gatsby, who (laughs) is a quarantine dog and has no idea what to do with people who aren't his people. And we take him outside on walks and he barks and goes nuts when he sees another dog because... His whole life has been during COVID times. Mm -hmm. So they're two goofballs, but they are making our lives much, much more rich for being in them. Yeah. Well, you, I want to kind of come back to an idea that you were talking about, about um, dogs being really smart, despite Mm -hmm. the fact that we, we maybe think that they're not quite as smart as humans. I wonder if maybe they're smarter than us. And the problem is that we don't understand what they're doing. We don't understand their language, their ways of communicating. It's a problem with us, not with them. Mm-hmm. Or we're just different. If every species and all these animals and maybe St. Francis was just onto it and he could tune in to wherever animals were however they do communicate. Um, yeah, they, I mean, I think the smartest human, if you really knew every, every, everything there was to know what I would want to do with that (laughs) is just be present. Like, I think that's the conclusion you would come to Mm -hmm. be present, Mm -hmm. love the people that you're with. Yeah. Don't judge. I mean, um, Another episode that we're sort of dying to get around to is um, I want to I want to have a great conversation with um, someone who's experienced had a near death experience. Mm -hmm. Those people come back so different. They don't get they don't they don't get wrapped up in stuff. Mm -hmm. They don't they don't see things the same way. And I wonder if this glimpse that they've had is similar to just the set of eyes that our pets have all the time. Yeah. There's, oh, we have a podcast that just like, we can talk about so many awesome things. Mm-hmm. We get such mm-hmm. a, like, we have such a great excuse to just like come together every week and talk about such yeah. interesting things. I'm so, so, so great. Yeah. And I think this is, you know, this is just, we're sort of scratching the surface talking about a little bit of our experiences. I think that some specific experiences that some other people have, um, with their pets, Richard Rohr, my other friend who, you know, who you are, um, <laughs> any of these people. Um, I think that those, you said this and 
I agree 100%. Those belong in our hashtag building a family (laughs) series. Mm -hmm. They fit together that um, pets absolutely create, allow you to create not just a sense of family, but the reality of Mm -hmm. family. Um, And we've both experienced that to some degree. And I think there's other people that have stories about that as well. And I, I hope we get to hear and tell some of those stories in the future. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're listening and you have like an amazing pet story or like a normal run of the mill pet story that you want to share, yeah. we want to hear about it. Yeah. Feel free to like email us at everydaythinplaces at gmail.com. Contact us on social media. We'd love like, we love connecting with people and I would love to hear some pet stories for sure. Cause this yeah. is, yeah. Like you said, we're just scratching the surface. There's so much that can be said. Mm-hmm. So I know that you have a cause that you um, discovered that you would like to share. Mm -hmm. I have a sort of personal cause Mm -hmm. that I, can I share mine and then you can share yours? Yeah, we don't normally share like, like when we have guests, we always ask if there's a cause that they would like to point people towards. And when it's just the two of us, we don't normally do this, but we both have things that we really want to share. So Yeah. yeah, let's hear what you have going on. How can people... Um, be generous. <laughs> yes. You can be generous to me and my family by um, opening your home. Somebody out there is the family of this sweet little porch cat that we have named Buddy that has made his home on our porch. He started coming around um, maybe early summer. He disappeared for a little bit. And then since late July, he's pretty much every single day been on our porch. Um, he is the sweetest cat. He climbs up and sits on your lap. I always wanted a lap cat. My cats, like they are not interested. I cannot hold them. I totally got suckered sidebar. I got suckered into a COVID cat. We took in a stray. We tried to like foster take in a stray last summer. It did not go well. (laughs) Um, we have Buster and Lou. We named this one Job. I should have known from the, <laughs> from the storyline of the show Arrested Development. There, I gave it to you for those of you that weren't getting the reference that Lucille was not especially fond of Job. And our Lucille was very upset about Job being in our house. So we found we had him for several months. We found a home for him last fall. Our, uh, this this one we've been calling Buddy. Buddy is not a mix uh, with Buster and Lou. Buster is actually busted through the screen. <gasps> broke our screen and got out to try to get him on the porch. Whoa. So we can only open our porch window from the top right now because he just lives there. He mm-hmm. sleeps out there. He's not going anywhere. He is the most gorgeous, sweetest cat. Um, so we, we realized the weather is turning cold mm-hmm. and we need a solution for him. And so we're trying to, we're probably going to get him into um, our local shelter that will do the chipping, the, um, the neutering, the flea dip, mm-hmm. they do what they call trap and release. So the very least that we can do for him is get him trapped, neutered, and released mm-hmm. so that he would be healthier. Um, but he deserves a home and we can't give him a home. Um, so we're going to totally put his picture on our social media this week. Um, and somebody out there, <laughs> please give Buddy a home. Um, if you've been wanting to open your home to – he's probably less than a year old. He's still like small, but has bigger feet. So he seems like he's got some, a little bit of growing to do, but 
just the sweetest, most beautiful, smoky gray, gray cat with eyes that, um, eyes that just ooze love and compassion and joy in your presence. And, um, he's great. So I, I really want to see him. I put on Facebook this week. I got a couple of people that are interested, but have like their partners are not on board. <laughs> so if you are on your own without a reluctant partner, or if you have a partner that you can get on board and you, um, want a, the sweetest cat ever to come in your house, um, you would make me and my family so happy mm-hmm. to know that buddy who you can rename whatever you want. Um, has a home for the holidays. So I buddy a home for the holidays, oh, buddy, like buddy Hashtag the elf. buddies. Oh my gosh. You can name, keep him buddy. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll, we'll share about him, but, um, yeah, it'd be super cool if the network from this podcast mm-hmm. was a part of helping us to find, find a, a home for him for sure. Yeah. So people can yeah. reach out to us in all the usual ways if they're interested yeah. and we will make that happen for sure. Yeah. I have a cause too. It's a little, it's not on my porch, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's something that I think is amazing. And I just was like, oh my goodness, what a great project. And we have to share this. So there is an organization called Don't You Want Me? And I guess it's like a an organization slash project. Um, it's a global photography project. Showcasing the beauty and resilience of LGBTQ plus people and their rescue dogs. Mm. And they say, finding strength and purpose in the unconditional love, compassion, and non-judgmental nature that is embodied in dogs, we watch the participants heal and transform. And, ah, uh, <laughs> you know, all the things that we've talked about, all of the ways that pets enrich our lives, you know, especially for people who are in the LGBTQ plus community, especially for transgendered individuals who maybe experience a lot of judgment in their lives to have mm-hmm. a pet come into their life in a non-judgmental way can be life changing. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like, I don't think I'm overstating things when I say it can save lives. Absolutely. That idea Absolutely. of, Having somebody who loves you, who is present with you in the moment and isn't judging and having the purpose of like providing care for that pet. And it's mutual. It goes both ways. The pet cares for you too. But like, I think it's life saving. So check out, I mean, it's a beautiful photography project, but also if you are feeling generous and you would like to throw some money at the organization, I'm sure they would really appreciate it. So, but at the very least, check out their website because the photos are just stunningly beautiful and um, just really hit home that point of pets are healing and life-saving and life-giving. St. Francis was on to something. He was. Well, I thought we might close our episode today with the prayer of St. Francis. Um I think it's a beautiful prayer. It doesn't reference pets specifically, but it touches on some of these ideas of um, the personality traits of pets. And I just think it's a beautiful prayer. So would you indulge me and allow me to read that, Elizabeth? Please do. Okay. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. 
Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. Thanks for joining us. Now it's our turn to hear from you. So would you do us a big favor and go into your podcast app and rate us? Even better, would you write us a glowing review? That will help other listeners to find us. And make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. You can also visit our website at everydaythinplaces.com where you will find all sorts of fun and interesting information as well as learn about how you can help to support this podcast and earn special exclusive perks. There you will also find links to follow us on social media or else just pop directly over to Instagram or Facebook where you will find us at Everyday Thin Places. Thanks so much for joining us today. Until next time, I'm Elizabeth. And I'm Rachel. Bye. Bye.